Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South CAC Syndicate Podcast. Boom. Back. We are back. Episode number four. Four. Right? I think that's it. Four. How many did you listen to? I listened to three. <laughs> then it'd be four. <laughs> Welcome to episode four. Today we've got Rhea Smith with us as our special guest today. and uh, We're going to talk drag racing. We're going to talk motorcycle shop. We're going to talk real estate. We might get into some Airbnb, uh, some uh, state politic government, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, useless or useless useful. and useful yeah. you know, knowledge. I'm, I'm biased on the drag racing side, but sure, it's a business podcast, so we're going to try to... Well, drag racing's a business. Well, well that's that. true, too. If You're right. If you don't right. like You're making right. money, then drag racing... Is yeah. Business. If you like to spend it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. There's some people make money, obviously. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't stick around. Like, the, I guess the track's probably making money. Promoters are making money. Mm. The sponsors are probably making money selling product. You Maybe. Know, through these Maybe. folks. Maybe. That'd be mm. interesting. I mean, John Force is a, is a guy I oh, recognize yeah. from childhood, right? That's sure. The, the GTX car. Was it GTX, Motorola, or yeah. something like that? Yeah, yeah. But uh, today, like, if you threw South Cac Syndicate podcast on a NASCAR, would we get a lot of traction? No pun intended. Would we get a lot of traction there? It depends on who it is. If it was somebody like a John Force who could pretty much sell anything, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. Yeah. Driver personality matters. For sure. And that's a great deal. Honestly, that's everything nowadays. It's how you market yourself. You know, I, I actually watched something the other day. I was talking about UFC fighters. And it was like, the best fighters don't make the money, it's the ones that sell the tickets. Right. You know, and that's everything. Well, there's a reason Danica was the driver. And to not sell, Patrick, yeah, and yeah. not her sister. To Who, sell tickets. That that's always the rumor mill was that the sister was truly the better kart racer, but Danica had that. Yeah, that the poise, ball of that energy. Vanna White yeah. factor, yeah. you know the. Yeah, and it, I mean, listen, it's it, it is what it is. So I don't. I mean, you know, I guess you'd want. I guess in some cases you'd want to see who the best actually is, but if people don't enjoy watching what you're doing, then it's yeah. not going to matter, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so, how long did you? So, you drive drag road uh, motorcycles, right? Motorcycles. Yeah. Pretty much exclusively. That I was it. Never got pass. behind the wheel. Well, I'd, I'd test pass in a, a Chevy shortbread. 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 Shortbread truck. Shortbread truck um, that the team I was with at the time that they had. And that was fun. And that's the first thing I took down the track was that truck. I think it was a 71. Um, and my first thought was motorcycle. But yeah, really. There for a long time, my first thought was motorcycle. My first thought was, how can I get as close to that pavement as possible <laughs> without it's getting like, skin up? Yeah. It, <laughs> it's a real addictive feeling. I mean, it's flying on the ground. If if there was no, you know, end line to it, you'd want to keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I have taken a motorcycle down the drag strip, and it's different. Yeah. It's different because the surface is a lot different than the street. Like you can feel that thing like groove, groove, well, it all and the, on a, a bunch yeah. of glue on the track. Like it right. just, it's a different feeling for sure. Some of the like one of the tracks that we race at in Maryland, they prepped that track so well. It was it was one of Jason Miller prepped that track. His family owned that track at the time. I think they own it again now. 
And uh, it was hilarious to see people come in. They, nobody would ever keep anybody off a start line, yeah. first of all. They'd crowd in mm-hmm. on a bike at Stick a burnout box. Out and they'd walk straight out of their shoes, yep. straight out of <laughs> their socks. Bam. For real. Fall <laughs> over, <laughs> be rolling around. They couldn't get up. And it, there was every race had, like, candid yep. photos I of those guys. I walked into a bar that was the that floor sticky. was that sticky. <laughs> Last never a, no, no, it's good. But never that clean. Right. Yeah, it blows your mind how sticky it can be. Oh, sure, I'm, it's, I'm sure. It, yeah. who, who got you into drag racing? Um, well, really, the the path of getting to the track in a past life, I was the spokesmodel for the Greenville Harley Davidson dealership and Quaker Steak and Lube that's right there off of Woodruff mm-hmm. Road. And they're side by side. They I used love to, that place. Yeah, they used to do a, a pageant called Miss Chrome <clears throat> Drive. So mm-hmm. that was a, a pageant that I won. I th- I was definitely not the prettiest gal or definitely wasn't the one with the biggest boobs, but they picked me in that bikini pageant mm-hmm. because I was the only one with an M-class Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, that, that I've already always, my family's always had an affinity for motorcycles, motorcycle culture. I've, my uncle owns a local shop here at mm-hmm. Kiwi Motorcycles. His son is in R&D at uh, Harley-Davidson out cool. in Arizona. So I've got a background in it. My whole family has bikes. And one of the gals that worked at the dealership, worked in the apparel department, she was hooked up with another gal that they wanted to start going to the track, racing, doing a little bit of wrench, and I never cared for that. I, did, I don't, you just I, don't drive want, it. I just want to drive and go fast. And so they knew I could ride a motorcycle, so they figured I had a halfway brain for it and took me out there to Greer Dragway, right? Back in behind that mill village there, oh, yeah. and yep. I made my first pass in that Chevrolet and was very hooked to it. That's awesome. So, real quick, because I really want to get into the real estate side. I'm sure you do. But <laughs> are you familiar with Matt and Angie Smith? Yes. Okay, so I've actually done some videos at their house before. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was a great experience. I'll have to, we'll have to get into that later. Drag racing is a super small world. Yeah. Ray Murphy here in town. I don't know if you know Ray with TNR, TNR. Graphics. Okay. He he works on a number of different big NHRA crews. He yeah. He uh, he's he's pretty talented. Yeah. With that world is so small, you get to you just start knowing yeah. everybody. Yeah. No, that those folks, Matt and Angie, that's a that, that's a full time gig for them. Oh yeah. They both race. It's man and wife team. They're very good. They don't have any other job. Like that's it. They're they're, they're just cur- really they're good career racers. Yeah. There's race cars. No, no motorcycles. motorcycles. Yeah, pro stock bike. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. So, anyway. Go figure. How many women are in that? In a this, lot. Um, so, that, that's one of the things I've always loved about about drag racing and the NHRA is it's, it is not a boys club. No. And, and those ceilings, those glass ceilings were shattered yeah. many years ago with, like, the Shirley Muldownies of, of, yep. of the world. And I could go down a long list, and, I won't. But to be honest with you, there's more female athletes in NHRA than any other, if I had to guess, any other co-ed sport. I would say that that's accurate. In fact, when Danica was, I think, I guess it was the Daytona 500, she was the pole winner, first female mm-hmm. pole winner, and there's only so many women that yeah. people in this area know to call for a quote, and mm-hmm. WSBA called me and wanted to do an interview. What do you think of this groundbreaking history? I'm like, well, you should look at the NHRA where this has been going on yeah. for mm-hmm. 30, 40 years, championships, yeah, yeah. the winningest female in motorsports at that time yep. was Shirley. And well, you got Jesse James's ex-wife. Yeah, Alexis DeJoria. Right, you got 
uh, what's her name? Uh, Sam Pei yeah. and you uh, got and Jill. Yep. And then the Erica Anders. Erica Anders is a pro stock motor. The four uh, scales. Yes. Of course, so there's a ton. There's probably players. seven or eight, and they're mm-hmm. like top. My favorite, just because I think she's hot, is Leah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I met, her, I met her. I met her SEMA one she's year. She's got that it factor, like the yeah. hot girl factor, the wake surfing, the whole thing. I, she's, she's like my favorite. You can tell she's fun too. If you're listening, no. <laughs> yeah, you can tell she's <laughs> fun to be around. Reach out. <laughs> Hit us up at what's the email? <laughs> Southcatpod at so, G, or Gmail. Yeah. Southcatpod at Gmail. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure up. she's pretty busy with Tony Stewart. So. Yeah, they're they're, oh. they're like dating. They're dating newlyweds. Now. They're married they? now. Yeah. They are okay. not, they're more than dating. They're more than dating. So Power couple. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, so right. How, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. How many, how, what's your stretch of drag racing? How many years do you do that? Uh, I Probably about seven or eight years that I was really consistent in going. And a lot of it was the team. It was an all-girls team. It was really, really fun. It was like a weird sorority to be in. Different haircut back then. Different haircut. I, I definitely. Different lifestyle. Definitely had a mohawk for a while. Yeah. And yeah. that was a look. And I was told that if I was to have that hairstyle again, I'd have to find a new place to hang my real estate license. So Interesting. I'm, so you were doubling the racing during the weekends and real estate during the day job. That's right. I, I, that time, when I was racing the most, I was working in operations for a big firm, for a big franchise uh, real estate firm. So I had weekends off. I wasn't in the field. I wasn't in mm-hmm. sales. Mm-hmm. And I'm like you guys. I get bored really easy. True that. And I was absolutely bored to tears behind the desk. I, I took that job to get out of retail. I'd spent, uh, my, my degree is actually a BS in retail, a major in fashion merchandising. And I spent, uh, shoot, six years in corporate with Target. Right. All from, everything from asset protections, like busting shoplifters, that was a thing I used to do, and, <laughs> <laughs> to just regular man- store-side management, which I quickly burned out. So I took that job to get away from that. Yeah. I did my time in the seat till the point I was so bored and just really overseeing these really big checks slide across my desk mm-hmm. from people that didn't have real big brains. Yeah. I thought, okay. How are they doing that? I, this is not yeah. that cerebral. I think I can do it. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's not that cerebral. <laughs> It, it, it actually is, but at that time, I you know, look, from the outside looking in, I, I had a different opinion no instead of looking yeah. out. But that was how I balanced it. And as I shifted into really that full-time sales career, you, you get addicted to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> no funny doubt. that you say that because I've actually kind of noticed that too, where I'm like, how in the heck does, you know, did he do that or did she do Relationships. that? Relationships. Relationships, I agree. But I, I also I think it has... Probably more with the relationship because I, I 100% agree with that. But I also think that the people who carry the risk get paid. And some people that don't aren't as, they're not, they're just a little bit crazier. Yeah. They'll take more risk, right? And so right. that's, I think that's what I see in those people. I'm like, how, you know, he doesn't even seem like he has a head on his shoulders. The thing is, though, he's willing to take the risk. Take the risk. Mm-hmm. It's funny, my last drag racing partner, his boat, his big Sea Ray boat, its name was Risk Reward. Yeah. That no, was no the doubt. boat name. No yeah. Doubt. I guess the key is, though, the smart ones take the risk that has more upside than downside. That's, I, you know, because you just take stupid risks and you're just stupid. It took a long time to get to the point that I felt comfortable, felt successful, felt like I knew what I was doing. Yep. I started selling 
in 2013. And for the product I sell, the Waterfront Kiwi, that was still considered bottom of the market. We, we weren't recovered right. at all mm-hmm. in any sense. So I started at the bottom intentionally. I felt like that was a time to start. And it took me eight months to close a deal. I didn't know I could live for eight months without a paycheck, but somehow I did, <laughs> did it between that and like Jack Daniels promos. <laughs> I was able, nobody repoed my Honda Accord and it worked out. So right. it, it was a, it was an That's interesting. That's a side hustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Modeling for Jack Daniels to make the oh, car payment. This, right. this guy was the queen of the side hustle back in the day. Oh, hey, you got to do what it takes. A limited mm-hmm. term opportunity where you got paid then and then you didn't do it anymore was for me. Yeah, buddy. I love a good side hustle. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right on. So, you know, back to you talking about you started when it was at its lowest point as far as the market goes. I think that's a great place to start. Sure. Because you get used to that. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can always reflect back on those times, you're like, I've been here before. Where it came from. I've you know? been here before. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. I, personally, I didn't, I didn't see the big crash. Yep. I was still in retail at the big crash. I did actually lose a job. And in that crash, Target decided on a corporate level that that was, you know, in our most dire financial scenario, the time to cut out the position that, you know, right. research theft and fraud, you know, yeah. when people are probably considering. I actually bought, I bought some Kiwi real estate uh, waterfront property after the crash because mm-hmm. I was on the other side of that. Like if I ever had a chance yeah. to be able to buy some property at, at a good price. Right now is the time to do it. It was it was totally different because we had so much, so many acres sitting undeveloped, yeah. and what had been released out there and into the market that was what it was. But you knew there was a shadow market behind, yeah, of more development coming, and also people that weren't listed that would love to sell, but they were so upside down they just couldn't stomach it. So it was yeah. a market of stuff sitting. It's totally so, so different from today. Did you make money on that deal? I remember that. No, 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 I just kind of broke even on it. Um, I think the problem with me, and you you would know more about this too, but for me, you know, I bought a lot that I could afford. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a point lot or what you'd consider like a super high dollar piece of property. It was in a great little neighborhood. It was in um, uh, Clearwater. Oh, yeah. Uh, Abaco Lane, I guess. Yep. It anyway, so it was in there. Great little. Sold a lot of Clearwater over the years. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just one little street. All the lake homes are on the left, and that's it. Like, there's not, you know, there's HOAs are like $300 a year or something. It was super cheap. It was, like, perfect for me. Back in a nice little cove. But what I found when it came time to sell that thing was the people that want to build, they have money. Mm-hmm. And they don't want, they want a lot, lot. You know, they want to pay a million bucks for right. a piece of property and then build a $3 million home or whatever, yeah. right? Versus, you know, what I had was, like, at the time, you'd probably put a four or $500,000 house on it. You know, it was a hundred fifty thousand dollar lot. Was it down Bimini? No, it was right there. It was there. right there on Abaco. As soon as you come in, where as soon as Bimini breaks off, it was like the third lot on oh, the yeah. left. I think I resold that. Right. Not oh really? Not long ago. Not to, yeah, it's like I there's won't only tell a, you what it's for there's only a couple. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't. It'll hurt your feelings. So I I, mm. I bought it. I put a dock on it. You know, I did a couple little things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I got out of it, I ended up just breaking even. But the problem was there's no market for it. Yeah. Because the people that want to live on that kind of lot. And in that kind of house, they just want to buy the house mm-hmm. and move in. They're not builders. They're not trying to build their dream house. They just want a house on the on the lake, and they just want to buy one and move in. So they just instead of buying property, they just go buy something's already done right. and move in right. for the same money, basically. Basically. So I think I end up selling it to a builder. Okay. Hey, Liz, this here. Do you want to refill? 
Yeah. You get a second. Okay. You good, I'm good. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, it was one of those deals. It was a learning lesson. I've never actually done that well on dirt. I love dirt. Land is my middle name. I just can't. Literally, land is. I maybe took I just, that market and I ran with it. I should have gave it to you then, because I had one. I didn't tear a lot in Sunset Shores. Yeah. And kind of sat on that thing forever. It finally sold not too long ago. But anyway, enough about me. <laughs> yeah. And your break-even deal? My break, all my all my land deals were break-even or losers. Or losers. <laughs> I should have spec the home on it is what I should have done. I'm telling yeah. you, this last, um, I don't know, what what y'all certainly have a term for the peak and what happened in real estate. Is there like a slang term for that? Peak, like Peak and trough? Well, I mean, I described it as standing in lava the other day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so one point that I wanted to make. I had somebody a year and a half ago, maybe right before the pandemic, or when the, when the housing had peaked, was sure. or close to peaking, I had somebody talking about an agent locally and how good they were doing and whatever. And I said, listen, if you're an agent right now and you can't make money, something's wrong with you because the market is smashing. It, Where it you was interesting yeah though. where you find the good agents though are the ones that can survive the 2008s oh yeah because that's when that's when it sees you see how good they are apparently they did jack daniels promos yeah yeah well of our near we're just very close to thirty thousand realtor members in south carolina we're just a, a agents realtor members so what's the difference between yeah. a member that, and an agent so a real estate licensee means you're licensed by the state to sell real estate you take the class or whatever, you right? Take the, you take the class, you pass the exam, you file for your license, you get your fingerprint, background check. The state says you're good to go to sell real estate. If you want to join your local board and have access to your local MLS, like ours here, they're right. owned by the same entity. It's not the same entity, but it's in the same building. Right. You join the, the board of realtors, your local board of realtors. Not every board of realtors owns their local MLS, though. Mm. Like you can use Columbia, that market, for example. They've got an independent uh, MLS. Yeah. So that's the difference. A realtor member also adheres to a code of ethics uh, with articles. Gosh, I've just had a code of ethics training. Is there 16? None of my SDR family listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. It's not, don't hold me accountable that I forgot how many articles we have. But either way, you up, you're upheld to a code of ethics that you're going to do better, be better. Sure. And do protect right. each other, protect the public, yeah. and, and so on. So those right are the on. differences. But anyways, so the point being, our nearly 30,000 realtor members, I think it's right around half of them have only been in the business four years or less. So they have not seen. Yeah, they haven't seen anything. This. Yeah, everything's been good insanity. to this point. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be a shift that some people can't handle. Actually, they started at the top, making more money than than they expected. So when it gets back to normal, they're going to think they're losing out because the baseline yeah. where they started was this. Well, high. and I don't think it's a money thing. I just think ease of sale. You know, right. houses were on the market for three days and they're selling. Like, yeah, there's a lot of agents out there that That's think right. they're they're gifted. <laughs> And sure. it's, it has nothing to do with that. It's, nothing. it's the fact that there was no inventory and there was tons of buyers. No inventory. And you have to wonder, did they actually hit the price right? Right. You know, yeah. it, it's not Could have been necessarily underpriced. something to hang your hat on if you sold a home in two hours. If yeah. you had to put it in two hours, that, that's probably not doing what your fiduciary duty says you should be doing right. to your right. client as a seller. That's right. Which I guess, it's got to be tough, though, when the market booms like it did because, you know, I sold a house three or four years ago. I had an agent come out, tell me what it was worth. He told me it was worth 
like 50 more than what I thought it was worth. Mm-hmm. I was like, you sure? And they were like, yeah. Put it on the market, had an offer the first day. Well, yeah. then for me, I, from, I went from one extreme of, are you sure? And then to, man, is that too cheap? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it too late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I had another competing offer, like same deal. So, you know, I think they did what they thought was probably right. Could have still been underpriced potentially, or the market was, there's just that much demand. It, it could be. It's hard. It's hard to know, and it's so hard to price right now. I mean, we have, obviously we have comparable data that we're able to research through the multiple listing yeah. service. We're able to look at what things have sold for. That's the beauty of an MLS: is two things. You're offered compensation and cooperation. Mm-hmm. So if you're a member, you have agreed to those two things, and being able to have that data that helps you find that price for what you think it's going to be. Yep. But with so much like shift going on and flux and you know what we live through a time where one tweet could change the entire course of a day type thing it can be hard to nail down what you think the exact price is i think that a little of that's going on in the market now where folks are listing really high and going we'll figure out if we got it right what it could because i'm seeing the reductions i'm seeing the reductions take place within a week two weeks you yeah, can always come reduction. down but you can never list and go up well and I I, think although the, i've seen it i saw it during pandemic mm-hmm. yeah right it's like 40 percent increase yeah like the next day after well you know in the last year two years got to be tough too because you know high demand doesn't necessarily equate to value of property right if you just have a couple people that are worth mm-hmm. the pay pay more than what it's worth well then now that hits the comps Sure. So then the next house is like, well, mine's worth what theirs, you know, or, or it could be the other way, I guess, too. And the fact that things change so fast, you know, if you're so selling, fast. if you're selling something and you're comping the house that was sold a year ago, well, that's not even a it, year at this point. I mean, it used to be I would data. look at yeah. historical data for a year. It used to be that was the way the lake market worked. You know, it took a while to get a buyer right. for that type of property, but. A year is too long now. It's the window's tighter, you know, six months, three it's months. It's got to be a lot tighter. It's so much tighter to keep the data that's relevant right. for that specific property. And, you know, all of our lake property, you, a lot of times my clients want to know, well, what's the price per square foot? What, what, yeah. what, what can we expect? Price per square foot on this waterfront house. I'm like, well, you can expect to not ever ask me that again <laughs> because it's not yeah. relevant. Yeah, it is. It's dependent on the dirt that it's sitting on. The, the view, view that you're looking yep. at, which is subjective, a view means water, how much water frontage, how all much? those things, and you know the house will be what the house is. And a lot of times, what I'd find with my buyers is they'd see, well, why is this house so nice and the lot is so terrible, but this lot is so great and the house is so terrible, and they're looking in the same within the same one hundred thousand dollars of price point. Right. That's because the value of the dirt. For, yeah, you're paying for one or the other. One or the other. Yeah. So what happened? What made the real estate market go? A number of things. Um, first, a couple, couple trillion dollars in the economy. Right. That couldn't uh, couldn't hurt. Twelve hundred dollars a check at a time. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. We're we're Some paying back that, a forty percent increase in recession. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll tell you that when we when I talk about real estate, I'm usually always talking about my real estate, my market, because real estate is hyper local. We well, say real estate is local, but it's almost hyper local at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. Down to down to the HOA even, mm-hmm. and. Um, so what I saw, what made, made it crazy for us is people wanted out of their city centers when their city center locked down. Yep. They, they were stuck and they wanted out of, they wanted out of their politics, yep. which was the first time I'd ever seen that in the 
decade of, well, more than a decade of doing this. They wanted out of those places that, that didn't align with their politics anymore, and they wanted ours. And right. that was and, a huge driving force. And the fact that they, there was a lot more accessibility to work from home. Right. So it was like, if I can work from anywhere, I'm getting the hell out of this place. And we're in a unique market. Like if, you, if you hadn't been here, I mean, we, yeah. geographically, we are in a paradise. My, An island. Yes. My personal opinion, <laughs> kind of. my kind personal of. opinion is like lake property still is way undervalued. And I, the reason I say that, and it may t- take time to actually come around, but so I was born in California. Mm-hmm. I seen like what happened out there. I moved out here and I was like, man, this is amazing. And, you know, and everybody that lived here was like, I'm getting the hell out of this town as soon as I can get old enough. And I'm like, why? Oh, we all said that. I'm like, where are you going to go? This is. And so I could see what was going to happen here. It took a lot longer than I thought it would. But I think it's gaining traction faster and faster and faster. And you kind of see that, you know, for a long time, you'd see a house here and there. Well, then all of a sudden, you see five houses going up. Now it's 50 houses going up or whatever. The secret's out. I I have a Google alert set up for my name and then, of course, Lake Huey Real Estate. And I just can't tell you how many times that alert pings with Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, for places to live, your top 10 destinations mm-hmm. yeah. for work from home, for retirement, yep. for family living, all, all mm. these things. And QOE just consistently pops onto those lists. Yeah. So the secret yeah. is out. Whereas we used to advertise at the Atlanta Boat Show. It used to be our, our biggest buyer base Try to get was people Atlanta. To come up this way. Yeah, and they'd walk by. We had these big, beautiful photos of the lake and you know, where is this? Like, we've never heard of it. Yeah. And it was always so shocking to me. It's like, how have you never heard of this? You're our, our key demo, like yeah. our lead on second homes. We'll, we're never yeah. going back yeah. to the boat show. We, uh, those days are done. We're in National Geographic. Did you know that? Yep. Oh, yeah, Lake yeah, Cassie was I, featured I, I, I at top 25 places so, to yeah. visit before you die or it's something. It's the last 50 great untouched go. places that's right. on the planet. That's one thing that's, that's cool about our, Joe Cassie. It's a big deal. There's yeah. limited yeah. real estate up there. Sure. Yeah. So... I, we used to drag race on... <laughs> on Highway 11? No, on McMahon on the second bridge. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that tells you how, there were, how many houses there were out there. Yeah. The time. You, None. Ain't, you ain't doing it now. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, we start on the bridge because it's concrete, yeah. and then there's that long stretch of... Yeah. yeah. If you do that now, expect to be featured on the Friends of Lake oh, yeah. Yeah. Facebook group. <laughs> well, you instantly are going to get... The, you know, the, you're going to call the cops instantly. At the time, uh-huh. there was nothing out there. There was no, no houses well, you to You could also you. bridge jump back then. We you can stop the car, yep. everybody park there, and start jumping yep. off into the lake. Like, yep. great. Let's it's keep a, going. A different time. Absolutely. So, where do you see us going in the next three months, three years? It's a tough uh, one. Three months is hard. Three years is hard. Um, I think for us, normally here at the lake, here in in this August month, it can be slow, and then we see a push there at the end of the year of more closings you get close to the end of the of the calendar year the fiscal year people make financial decisions either at the start of the beginning of the tax next related year. or whatever. tax related yeah. i will say I, I came here uh from a meeting at our realtor association our local one in anderson with congressman duncan the question was asked what are the rates going to do are they going to keep rising and mm-hmm. he was very very firm he's like yeah they'll just keep jacking them yeah. up because they're doing everything they can to slow out this inflation, obviously, it, <laughs> it's not slowing. No. Um, They'll keep raising it until they see the rates. turn. Yeah. For my client base, they can remember rates at 18%. Mm-hmm. So That's they're right. not intimidated by a 5 yeah. or even a 6. Mm-hmm. And they're usually, they are, they are they're co- uh, conventional buyers by choice. They could be cash buyers. 
they could be paying themselves their cash back right. in a refi after mm-hmm. closing. They're not as deterred. It is for our in-town buyers, our, our standard single-family home. You know, 30-year. 30-year mortgage. Some of those people are priced out. I mean, yeah. You're talking about this time last year where the rates were to today. The average home in America, according to our chief economist at NAR, Lawrence Yoon, is five hundred dollars more a month? Yeah, that can mean the difference in home ownership for some families. So I think what we'll I'm start looking seeing at seeing a, a decrease or a decline in home buying, not because the price of the real estate is too high, but they can't make the payment, payment work. Yeah, right. The, yeah, the sec- and with the with the new product, not as as supply costs have not seemed to come down yet. Like we're they're yep. seeing it in the supply a little bit start to level and some of it coming down, but some of it's up. There's still so much flux in build supply costs that we're still not getting the new product nationally to right. meet that demand. And we're short a lot of housing. See, I think, see what I start, I'm starting to do because of everything that's going on is I'm waiting for the opportunities. It, it may take a while. The market's got to slow a little bit. Prices are going to come down. And then what I'll do is I'll take the risk of the higher interest rate initially in hopes that at some point right. they'll come down, I can refine, then I got the property at a decent price type a, of deal. A few of my last closings have been adjustable, adjustable rate more. I don't know that I'd go adjustable. I think I'd just eat the high rate. Yeah. Because that adjustable stuff is scary. It to is me. scary. It's like, man, you, you could end up in the 70s again with 25% interest rate. You yeah. don't, you don't mm-hmm. know. It'll, it is a little frightening, but th- these are folks that they could probably pay their note off. They just, right. That's right. They, they think they'll, they think there will be an opportunity to grab a lower rate. And if yeah. not, if they can't stomach it, they're, they're just going to play the they're game. They're going to play the game and yeah. pay it off. That's not a bad call if you can do that. Yeah. For sure. You, you've got to be because, but cash a, flush to do it. Though. Typically, adjustable rates cheaper than a fixed rate anyway, right? Right. right. So a point or two? What is it? Usually? It just depends. It depends on the product. It depends on the provider. So they can raise that X amount of points in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So they'll let you know, depending on the provider. But I'm talking about just when you actually get the loan, they'll give you a, a, fix, a, a flex, flexible rate cheaper than a fixed rate. To start, yeah. To start, To grow yeah. your business, sure. Yeah. But they can go up, and I don't, I don't know this, but they can go up like no more than three points in 14 months. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. But at the end of your 30-year note, it can go up as high or not higher than 12. Right. Well, I think we'll see a normal, like 12 will be like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> nah, normal. Not bad. Yeah. We talked about inventory. Matter of fact, it might be cheaper than what the fixed rate would be at that point. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We, Potent- talk, we talked about inventory a little bit on the lake, you know, and I remember talking to you a while back, and you're like, we have uh, four homes. <laughs> now, it wasn't quite that dire, but it was pretty bad if you consider. Now, to put it in perspective, Lake Kiwi has more shoreline than the entire coast of South Carolina. Is that correct? Correct. There's 300 miles of shoreline, including island shoreline. Uh, we have 30 miles of island shoreline as well yeah, within the... For those that aren't familiar with the area, we have three lakes in the area. We have Joe Cassie, which is a very clean, pure, what, mountain runoff style lake. Sure. Mm-hmm. Very limited uh, real estate. There's only there, one, yeah. one little section that has how many houses, maybe? Uh, Roundhouse Point. I, I think the total lot count on... Joe Cassie is either 40 or 42. Yeah. I can't remember. It's not very, like, very small. Yeah, very Roundhouse Point and Fisher's Knob. And Joe Cassie then drains into Lake Kiwi, mm-hmm. and which is the one we're talking about now. And then Lake Kiwi drains into Hartwell, which has even more, not as good of a lake, but it has more shoreline, shoreline than even Kiwi and does. And ba- boundaried by Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's right. As well. It is. So it covers two states. And it's two different de- deals. We got what the nuclear station runs Kiwi, 
versus Banjo Castle and, and the Bad Creek project. And the Bad Creek, but then Hartwell's done through Army Corps of Engineers. That's right. And we got to give a shout out to Sweet Little Lake Tugelo, too. That's yeah. okay. Well, and there's a lot of. Well, <laughs> don't tell everybody about that, about the Bull Sluice Lake. Yeah, I won't mention any of the other ones. There's well, a lot of nice directions, little, too. I actually like the Little Lakes. I've I become do too. fond Crystal fond Lake. Of them. Man, I, live, I live Lake. on a small private lake. Uh, what, you know, we go up to Whitewater Lake. Yeah, you know, up there, Cherokee, Cherokee. Cherokee. Yes. So really Oconee, cool. we're in Oconee County. And Oconee, I think, is uh, by definition uh, land beside the water. Yeah, in Cherokee, that, in is Cherokee. Land beside the water. Uh, Kiwi is place of the mulberries. There you go. So is what's the be? what's the current inventory? Housing inventory, not um, not dirt. Not dirt, just waterfront, mm-hmm. single-family homes. Sure. I think we're sitting at including under construction or new construction right at 44 listings so back a year ago we would have had 16 15 16 so the the inventory has increased but it's not in the price point that a lot of our buyers well it's not necessarily our buyers it's not the price point that you think it's going to be it has really skyrocketed rocketed and as we we see this thing soften i don't think the pricing is going to come down i think it's going to get flat somewhere we're a little normal if you think about if you think about we did not have high rise in price or even like yeah. a traditional historic rise as we came out of 08, yeah. this was a major correction. I almost think we would have, if we had no 08, we would have still been here. We yeah. would still landed well, in Well, you know, in 08, we didn't get hit like everywhere else did because it wasn't over overpriced like a lot of places were. You know, like Miami and anywhere in California. Like my, my dad, I think he lost half of his mm-hmm. equity in his house. You know, I think he lost four or five hundred thousand dollars in in the price of the house, basically overnight because everything like reset. And right. we never went through that here. But that's because I think out there the houses weren't worth what they were saying they were worth. Right. And so the, when the reset happened, yeah. it just brought them back to what they were supposed to be at. Whereas we were pretty close to what they were supposed to be at anyway. Mm-hmm. And we probably had a lot of influx too from, you know, you could move. You could sell a two thousand square foot house in New York, move down here, buy twice the square footage for half the money, probably. Mm-hmm. So sure. yeah, a lot of people doing that kind of stuff where they're. And we still time. have that going on because our cost of living is still. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible compared to other areas in the nation. I, we're really competitive, like with the Knoxville market. They have a very similar cost of living to us, and that has continued to drive the influx of folks That's that want to be here. We just went to Knoxville for the weekend, like two weeks ago. I've never been like to their downtown. It's a pretty, oh, really? Yeah, I actually described it to a, a girl, uh, Holly, yeah, who grew up in Knoxville. I was like, "This is a cute little mountain town." She's like, "Mountain town." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it's not St. Louis. Like, yeah. it's yeah. a mountain town." Yeah. To me, you know, coming from a long time up in the Midwest, but uh, cute little town, cute little shops, very friendly people. I'm looking forward Good to going. Food. Knoxville's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, we walked our. Is, is it comparable to Greenville? Like. Population-wise? I don't know about population, but the layout is different. I okay, think yeah. I think population-wise, it's probably as big. Okay. I don't know. I've never been downtown. And it's a so river. It's a true river town. Okay. Greenville actually has just the Reedy River running through it. Yeah. It's not like a it's river like town. River but this is like yeah. transportation river. Yeah. yeah. So, like Nashville is a yeah. river town. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nobody thinks of that either. No, it is. They think it's a, a drinking town with a music problem. No. Yeah. But it's actually <laughs> a river town. Yeah. You have to Absolutely. walk over that bridge. You realize it's a river. <laughs> Don't wear flip flops. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. All right, we're getting off track. Yeah. So, so question. So we're talking about, uh, you know, financing and, and interest rates and all this thing. Let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about like 
like hard money and do you do do you have any clients that do that kind of stuff do you have any clients i guess that are even in that kind of market where they're going to need some kind of hard money or bridge line type stuff not really no I mean, it's not my my business it's not my business model it's not what my clients you're just come selling high-end homes i'm just selling high-end dirt and homes and uh, occasionally and and i'll service I'll service anybody that needs my help. I, right. I'm good at what I do, and if the, somebody comes to me with something that I feel like there is a better fit, I'm not great with first-time home buyers. My, mm-hmm. my average transaction, my, my average client has been through eight transactions right. already oh, in wow. their life. So they're, I'm already like way down the road in, in yeah. what I'm saying to them. So I'm not great with first-time home buyers, although I will help first-time home right. buyer if they're mm-hmm. somebody that it, really wants right. me to. And, and because I, guess, I believe in fair housing. So yeah, and I guess you could always get that. them who they need. Sure. Maybe need to be with too, if that's the case. That's the beauty of being politically connected in our trade association is I can tell you literally anybody I think almost in the nation I've got at least somebody. If they're not doing it, they know somebody that does. Yeah, and that's that's the great part of real estate back, is that network. Back, back to relationships. That's kind of like us and anything but real estate. Like <laughs> we just know a lot of people. It's all about connections yeah. and re- I, I, relationships. Right. Yeah, that's I thought right. you were gonna say we know a lot of stuff, and I was like, no, what are you talking about? no, but we know people that do. I don't know anything. <laughs> I just know little bits of lots of different useless stuff. information, and it's most of it's useless. My wife looks at me all the times like. Why do you even know that? Like, you get, I, down, I just, get down the right. Google hole and you start learning. I just heard it one time. I yeah. have to Google. I have to Google. If I don't know it, and Megan and I are having a conversation, and she's like, "It doesn't work that way." And I'm like, "Well, hold on. Let Let's me just find out Google. how it works. Let's so educate ourselves." It bit me one time because he's like, "You just always have to be right, don't you?" And I said, "No, but I do have to be educated." There you so go. So if we, don't, if neither one of us know what the right answer is, yeah. I'm looking it up. Or if I'm wrong. Let me educate on myself on that, why I'm wrong exactly so right. I can figure out why in the hell I thought the way I did yeah, before. You can't tell all women that. Like They just no. think, you're trying to prove me wrong, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And actually, I'm not. I just want to be better educated yeah. for the next time somebody asks as me, are there always two red lights? As explain to us, we're fine. Well, that's, probably, that's probably the problem. <laughs> it could, that's it, probably it the problem. It could be. Yeah. It could, a little bit. Yeah. All right. So, no hard, no hard money lending, no... So, that's, you know, I don't know why I'm interested in that stuff. Right, let's talk... Uh, Let's talk the difference between a broker and an agent. Oh, that's a great one. So, and I'll, I'll speak specifically to the state of South Carolina, which is where I practice. An agent is a licensee licensed by uh, LLR, it's, which is the uh, government body that oversees us and many other trades. Each agent will house their license under a broker in charge. So you can also have a broker's license as an agent. Which, okay, I was going to get into that too because I knew that That's existed. confusing to yes. the public. Uh, each, each office will have a broker in charge. They may also have other brokers. They just have a further level of education on license law. I do not have a broker's license. I probably should in case Andy, my broker, and significant other was to drop dead. Mm-hmm. We would. We, you could just take over. Uh, yeah, there, there's provisions in the law. If right. he were if he were to drop dead, I don't know. That would be a whole different scenario. But somebody would need to continue selling right, you know, right. the mm-hmm. transactions that we have under our belt. So uh, the broker in charge oversees their licensees. Uh, they, they are the person that, it's not necessarily that an agent reports to, but they're overseeing the transaction. The, the entire point of license law and being licensed is to protect the public. One thing, a common misconception is that, that the public has and that new agents may have going in, 
is that when you go to real estate school, you do not learn a thing about selling real estate. <laughs> Nothing. You learn law, laws. You learn yeah. license law, how to protect the public, keep yourself out from getting sued and from right. out of handcuffs, honestly, because right. there's a lot of instances and there's a lot of agents that don't think this way. But you can put yourself in scenarios where you're accidentally pra- practicing law and license, yeah. which is, you know, that's criminal. Which is why, point. and I, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard if you're going to be a real estate investor, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. we kind of dabble a little bit, him more than me, you don't necessarily want to be an agent because then you have to disclose that to the sellers right. and there's all these things that you have to worry about law-wise. You see it right. on Zillow all the time, you know, a house for sale, you click it, it's like, first thing, agent owned. Yeah. Well, that is in license law. License mm-hmm. law requires yeah. you to dis- disclose your license status in your advertising, and then on page one of the contract, if you see I don't know South what difference contract, it makes, though. Why would I not do business with you if I wanted the real estate? But, because you could harm them. Yeah, because they you know more than they. But also as a buyer. So, like, you know, and the way I think about it is if you came to somebody as an agent wanting to buy something, me personally as a seller, I'd be like, why would they want this? Mm-hmm. Am I missing something here? Mm-hmm. What's the, you know. So, anyway. If I was an agent, I'd hate it because you get your first eyes on it, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'll take it." Yeah, we, I know somebody has that problem. And that's, I'll take that. And yeah, you know what? We do. Yeah. That that is We're a problem. Have, we'll have him on as well one day. Law, it is. It can be a problem because if you're, you know, you're the one that has been solicited to sell something, and you want it, mm-hmm. your duty, your fiduciary yeah. obligation, is to get the highest and best price. Can you prove that you did that? Oh yeah. And if you go down and stand in front of the real estate commission, interesting, they're going to ask you that. Interesting. So and you tell may, may lose your ability to tell me why can't I say why can't I tell you as an agent, my buddy Kyle wants to sell his house, but just give me like a thousand bucks because you're not licensed. I understand that, you but why is that a big deal? Because nope. in the state of South Carolina, you must be licensed in order to receive any type of commission or referral. Now that I was, of the law. I I was under license. the impression there could be a one-time fee, maybe like a referral. I don't know if referral is the right word, but well, you could, but it couldn't it be based on percentage. Is that my right? Wrong? Is there some kind of? I hope Andy didn't hear I think, that. I think <laughs> I think she she's saying that you, you cannot have, receive you, money. Period from the agent. If you are going to refer in a real estate transaction yeah. in which you receive money, you have to be licensed. Period. You can be inactive. Period. That you can you can go to okay, there unless, are referral companies that you can hit but license with. Unless I had it under contract already, then I could sell that contract to you, right? I've, yeah, you, yes. can wholesale that. I can sell that contract so, to you, right? Again, but that's not I, the real estate I, I hope agent. Andy's not listening. Wholesaling is a huge well, topic at the real estate. Well, and I mean, I hope Andy is listening because this for me, this is like I'm. We're just trying to learn. That's right. Sure. You sure. know, it's not a lot like I'm. There's no laws being broke by selling a contract. I have something that you want. I've got it under contract. Yeah. I'll flip the contract for X amount of whatever I see the right. value of the contract to be. Yeah. And then flip the contract to you and I'm out. Yeah. Now you're doing the closing with the agent. You know what's crazy? Uh, I'm going to put a pin in that. Just gonna put a pin in it. <laughs> let's let's just put a pin this, in that let's one. Let's drop this talk. Okay. With the four people that I flipped contracts to, <laughs> what's funny is do not is, come forward. What's funny is that you and I are more of like the wild, wild west. <laughs> of course, we want to be at least not of that we're. Course. Well, that I, we're, will, I will say that that the wholesaling activity is very much being looked at by the real estate commission it? for uh, protecting the public. Yeah, yeah, you see the signs on the corner that says "We buy ugly houses." Yeah, mm-hmm. 
that in a lot of times is yep. the wholesaling. And a lot of that happens through door knocking, death. Right. You know, there are, there there is a level of taking advantage of people. It is. Um, and then they're just flipping that to somebody who doesn't have time to go look for those those deals. I just don't get the harm in that at they, all. Because <laughs> well, and honestly, that seller didn't get their highest and best price there. But they weren't represented either. You now, if you had bought that house and closed on it, or that land and closed and then on sold it, it. Oh, you don't want to do that because then you got short term capital gains. Yeah. That's bullshit. Closing cost, all this stuff that goes. I ain't on doing that, that yeah. but I'll pick up a contract of a you know yeah. of high not a high value, but a like a, uh, a high equity contract, yeah. like that's going to be worse. The problem here, here's the, I'll get down to what the problem is. The problem is when that is not disclosed to the seller. Yeah. That, that is the problem. That if the seller is in agreement, say, I, I'm going to, I'm going to purchase this and I'm going to try and resell it. It's too yeah. late because it's already under well, contract. Now, now that you say that though, I think you have to do that. I think if do. you're a wholesaler, you don't. Cause I was under the impression that you go to these people and you say, listen, I can find a buyer for this house. At X, you know, let's let's get it under you know get it under contract. You don't have to worry about you know all the waiting and whatever, whatever they say. I don't know how that works. I've never done it, but and then they just say, "Hey, I'm gonna go find a buyer for you right now." We don't have to listen. That's house. a whole nother. It's a whole nother difference than what I'm talking about. If somebody came to me and wanted to one of the buildings on Main Street and say, "I'll give you nine hundred thousand for two twenty East yeah. Main." Yeah. And I was like, okay, we'll put that under contract. If somebody goes to that guy and says, says I'll give you 1.2 for 220 for, for the contract. For the contract. Yeah. Then I'm still getting my 900000 Yeah, yeah. He's getting 300 extra. Yeah. You know? Do you know they're shopping or, the contract? But I think we're I don't have to. It's not my business. I'm under, I'm, I, all I'm required to do is receive $900,000 for my closing. Yeah, and your, your contract. Who it comes from, if they want to flip the contract, that's fine. Yeah. I want to speak on behalf of the real estate I, commission. I get what I you're just advise that this is being looked at. Greatly and I, I think I know why, because kind of from what I've heard and what you say is, is it makes a lot of sense, right? It's a right. different, it's commercial. It's a little that's different. Right. That's Correct. Right. That's, that's right. different than, than right. grandma. Yes. You know, that's, I think you where know. you're coming from is what happens is you'll have a death in the family, right? And they got uncle Bob's house. And they don't, they don't know what it's worth. He's had it his whole life. It's been paid off. It's 100% equity to them. Mm-hmm. And so for them to get whatever out of it is good, right? Sure. And so somebody's, you know, kind of filtering through the obituaries or whatever, and then they just contact that person saying, hey, you know, I seen where Uncle Bob died. You know, I'd love to buy that house. I'll give you X amount for it. Well, what she's saying is they're not telling them, hey, this house is actually worth. Right. That is a free choice. I, I get that. Period. I get that. I get that, but that's where she's no, coming I from. I get. There's some shysters out there, yeah, no doubt. But if the purpose of the real estate choice. commission is to protect the public. It, that, it comes down to that, and that's that's why. See, okay, I <laughs> this is going to be good because again, I, I won't speak on behalf of the real estate. Listen to me. I think that protecting Uncle Bob's family is very important. Yeah, right. I, I totally, totally get that. But then you're kind of getting in the way of my constitution. You're telling me how I can sell my house and what I have to yeah, get yeah. for it. And that's just wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's a have to. I get why they want to look at it, though, and make sure that people are not being But if they put a law stolen. in place, what law would they even think about putting in place to say, I can't call Kyle? Wholesaling law. There's about 12 other states that have one. Yeah, it could be a wholesaling law, or it doesn't have to be that. It but could, who could said, be- what if I don't flip the contract? What if I just want to pick up your $100,000 house that is just a burden to you for $40,000? That wouldn't be a wholesale, though. That's not the same scenario. They just, what she's saying is they wouldn't allow you to flip the contract. But I think that they could keep the wholesaling 
and just make a law that says, hey, um, you have to get this house appraised or has to maybe like one extra step for a contract to happen. That way the seller is actually aware of what the price, that the value of that house is, regardless of what they've told them it's worth type I'll, of deal. I'll tell you the two ways that right. people get in trouble at the real estate commission. Number one is trust money. If they've released trust money that they didn't have the, uh, the written approval from both parties of how they were gonna release it, that's the number one way to end up in trouble. The other, the other issue is disclosure. Not, not disclosing, not disclosing material facts, and there's always, you know, what there there are different levels of disclosure and what what's important. Like Airbnbs, for example, yeah. do you should you disclose that this home is next door to an Airbnb? If I know that, I'm going to disclose it. Right, but if you try to if you think it's going to hurt the sale of the house and you try to like hide it, try not to. Yeah, if that could that could be problematic. If you didn't disclose the property. So there's an argument about farms, you know, that right. if you're if the property, primary property backs up to a farm chicken adjacent, houses. chicken house, yeah. do you disclose I mean, that or not? I do. I disclose I actually, lots of things. I actually like the smell of farmland. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take <laughs> That's you. weird, I know, but. Let me go back to your appraisal thing. Okay. I'll take your appraisal and raise you a home inspection, which dilutes all your appraisal. You're right, oh, and, that, and that's fine. A hundred percent. Right. Not a hundred, but you'd be I, surprised what these guys come up with. Yeah. And maybe that's what that's what would happen was that you mm-hmm. know if there was an extra step in there where like look this thing has to be appraised before a contract can happen maybe it's like a legal thing or something where the the seller at least know even if it's not sold through an agent yeah I know an least, appraiser so I'm gonna call him and have him give me the appraisal and then I'm yeah 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 mm-hmm. well I that, tell you that, what that this is wholesaling right like what totally makes that a non-issue a slow market you know that yeah. takes the game it takes it out of it when it when you don't have a really hot market is hard. It would be, then be harder to sell yeah. a contract unless you absolutely just really lowballed right. somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, gave yeah, up thirty thousand dollars for a home that really is worth a hundred. As a wholesaler, but, the buyer of your contract is is looking at flipping that property themselves. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to put in the work to go find the properties, which is why they give you a cut on the on the wholesale, right? So what you're saying, if the market comes down, and these guys can't just, unload it, yeah, a bunch of inventory. Away. Yeah, it becomes not. A problem. Right. It's interesting the problems that a hot market creates and problems that a that cold a, slow, a cold yeah. market are they're different things. It's interesting. Cool. So you mentioned Airbnbs a second ago. Can we that listen, can we jump I into that? I love about yeah. Airbnb. I was turned down by by O'Brien, the CEO, for an interview. I was asked by oh, the State really? Association to interview Brian Chesky. Is that how you say his I think last, so. last yeah. name? He's the CEO and I think creator founder. Of Airbnb, uh, so I love talking about it. That's part of part of our strategic plan as a state association. Uh, we're talking about short term rentals and their impact on on the market in general, yeah. and real estate in general. So I heard a funny story about how Airbnb got started. South by Southwest was going on air mattresses, right? right. And and one of the guys said, "Let's just rent out some rooms in our house and you know do that." Yeah, and they were like, "Okay," and they filled their house, and it was like, "Bam!" Yeah, here's an idea. We need to take a look at it. Now air- they're like a whatever billion dollar company. Yeah. Which is the smartest business plan ever? And I they love, don't own real estate, yeah. and they just take percentage of everything. I love I love to stay in an Airbnb too. I do too. It's like my favorite oh, thing yeah. to do. I, I love just and even my mom who goes nowhere, she shops on Airbnb all the time just to see She's what's like, out there. Have you seen this listing? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you just <laughs> had an Airbnb you. notification. I know. Pop up I, on I, your I phone. saw that. I think I told if her I was like, listen. In, 
Oh, they have a pontoon hooked up. Okay, well, that's about right. That's fine. So if you heard of the Airbnb of car rental? Yes, Turo? Turo. You ever done it? I've never done it. Interesting. I've done it one time. You know what my dad says, that you don't loan out. Well, so Both this gun and, and women. <laughs> well, this this is this is my this is how <clears throat> cool. There's a coolieism there. Both and I and I agree with that. And motorcycles because I've had people ask when I first did it. You know, I'm a car guy. I had a lot of people ask me. It's like no way in hell because I I rented a, I think it was an M3 or something. They're like, there's no way in hell I would just let some random dude drive off my M3. And I was like, yes, if you owned an M3 and you could afford it, you wouldn't do that. But if the only way you could afford an M3 and you really wanted one was to let somebody else drive it every once in a while, mm-hmm. it's an option that some people could use to have their dream car, right? Or maybe it's just a side hustle. No, I mean, you know, it, it could be a side hustle as well, but you I'm kind of like you, too. What'd you pay? I don't remember. A couple hundred bucks. For the day? No, I had it for a couple of days. It was the weirdest process ever, though, because I like showed up at this guy's house I'd never met before. Oh, man. And... You know, I knock on the door, and he raises the garage door, and he drives this super nice Beamer out. And um, we walk around it. We kind of agree on what kind of dents or scratches or whatever's on it, right? And he has, like, this little sheet that comes from them. We check it off. We both sign it, and he gives me the keys. And I don't even know how to operate the damn thing. I'm getting in there. The windshield wipers are going. The blink, you know, and I'm like, how the hell you work this thing? You know, and he's got to be looking at me going, oh, shit. This guy take my car. I get in it and I drive off and I'm like, this is so weird. I'm just it driving off with some dude's concept. car, never met before. He's watching me go down the road. And we we t- I probably put three hundred miles on it while I was out there. We went kinda across the state and three days later I took it back to him. We agreed that everything looked the same and it's crazy. Wow. I just I don't think I have the nerve. Like I, I get so attached to like yeah. my boats. See, see and I, I do too, but if you had a boat say say there was money to be made in it. Mm-hmm. For instance, with your Airbnb, it's on the water, right? Sure, yeah. So what if what if you knew that you could make some extra, like you could tack on a boat? You could go buy a boat if you felt like it could cover what the boat cost. Is it weirder to think about somebody driving your boat or think about somebody sleeping in your bed? Well, it to me. But it's not your bed usually. It's usually just a bed. You, you, you happen to sleep in it once in a while. I, yeah. I mean... I have. To, have you been on Kiwi lately? <laughs> as far as what uh, people, well, this is they so, check their brains at their dock. I don't yeah, go on the sure. weekends. Like one of my rules it's a is Monday through Thursday event for locals. If, if we're on the lake, mm-hmm. you know, we keep our boat in the water, so we're there, I can get off work, head out there, get on the water, and spend the evening, which is my favorite time to be on the lake anyway. Right. I love to watch the sunset out there. Well, renting cars is totally different from renting boats. And You're right. Most, most people have the proficiency to You're drive right. a car, even You're like right. a fancy, nice, like something with horse. You're absolutely right. But a boat, like I'm amazed at the people that treat QOE like a swimming pool that has a deep end all the way around it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I see people do stuff that convinces me they don't love their children. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, when boats just, are hard to drive. <laughs> or you've got college kid or high school kid or middle school kid with daddy's boat. Right. It's just like, oh, let's just go. Doesn't know what red means. Doesn't know what green means. Doesn't know what side to go. No. Yeah. Doesn't you know, know. Doesn't know what a buoy is. You're right. It's no. a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. Yeah. Don't like know July who 4th to on Kiwi to. is a death wish. I'd never be on Kiwi July 4th. No way. Unless it's like it's, the ocean. Unless it's at night to go watch fireworks and everybody's going slow. And that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. If you, mm-hmm. Once the fireworks are over, then, everybody then takes it's off. just like insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I watched somebody like Black pull Friday at Walmart through the fireworks <laughs> one year. I'm thinking... 
don't love your kids. There's no way. Yeah. This is dark. First of all, it's not legal. Like yeah. DNR yeah, yeah. would ticket you immediately yeah. for that. And it's like, well, you lose this kid, and you never find this kid amongst all these boats. Yep. And so I'm like, well, hit them. Oh, yeah, they'll run over them. There's we'll just there. go to Rio's Lake House on Kiwi and watch fireworks. <laughs> what got you into your first Airbnb? Well, uh, when the lake house was being constructed, in my mind, it was always going to be a partially available as a short-term rental. So I occupy it on really – I don't – let me reverse that. I don't lease more than 72 days yeah. because that is my limit on what – maintains my 4% owner-occupant uh, status. Gotcha. So I would then shift if I were to lease it more than 72 days, and we know that the county bump. knows if you have, <clears throat> yeah. um, then I would be losing, I'd go up to 6%, which we know it times the millage here in South Carolina, 4 to 6% really is about 380% more in property taxes. Yeah. And at that point, it is not worth it. I'd have to lease 365 to make the additional And then you couldn't enjoy the property. And the, it's about enjoying it. And yeah, I, right. I enjoy creating the experience of it. I love the families that come and make use of it and the girlfriend's trips and the couples that right. want to take a getaway with another couple and creating that experience of home at the lake. Because we've all stayed in bad short-term rentals or bad, oh, like, yeah. beach yeah. rentals that have, like, the melted spatula and three forks. Yeah. They'll do in the yeah. All, the, all the switches are labeled. The towels are like raggedy. I can't yeah. stand switches labeled. Uh, I know. And I, it would make my life easier if I would, but I can't stand so it. So we were at, that doesn't feel like home. We were at Fripp, what, last week? Mm-hmm. So my my thing is I do, I go down and talk to the agent down there and just see what's for sale. Because, you know, like one day, I I don't know if I would want to do it at the beach, though. I think I would do what you yeah. have done because I that way I can drive. enjoy it. I don't have to drive four hours to go enjoy it. I just drive 20 minutes up the road and I can go hang out, you know? But anyway, it's always interesting to me to look at that stuff. But you can definitely tell the rentals from the non-rentals. You can. For sure. yeah. that, and that's something I pride myself on is my feedback from the guest is this felt like being at a home. And I'm very, like, this is a rare opportunity that I did not personally check in my guest. I, I couldn't time it out because I'm with you guys. I'm going to go over there when I leave and, and greet them and make sure, mm-hmm. number one, that they're behaving and not mm-hmm. giving my neighbors a bunch of hell. Right. That they're, they're doing what they're supposed to. But that's one of the things. I get that feedback, and I also welcome them like they are – you're at my house. Yeah, yeah. you're staying yeah. like a like you would a family friend that's coming to utilize your space. You ever and had a bad guest? Work. I've had a few bad guests. Mm-hmm. And every bad guest I learned something from, and I never had a bad guest quite the same twice because of that. I've been able to tighten up my communication in a way that they'll, they will behave within the boundaries mm-hmm. you give them. Yeah. And sometimes they, they didn't recognize the there boundary. There was a boundary, yeah. We've had some bad guests. We've got uh, two second homes. Right. And then two uh, the lofts over main. One lady came in and took all of the pictures off the wall. <laughs> took them with her? No. Nope. Oh. Just put them somewhere else and rearranged and then rearranged the furniture. Why and, would somebody think they could do that? And stole the guest book of where people sign in and where they're from really? or what they're doing in Mahalo. It's strange. So Megan had to call and get all of the husband and he's like, Oh yeah. So sorry about <laughs> that. Like it happened before. Like, he like he's been yeah. through this again. And then we had a guy from California kind of open the she window. Is like a kleptomaniac or something? I have no clue. That's a very specific klepto, though. We had a guy. I've got to have this personal item. Well, that'd be the guest book, though, yeah, right? Yeah, the guest book. I mean, I, I love my guest book. Like a guest I love book reading fetish? what's in there. <laughs> what, want to read the names? <laughs> flip, flip it through the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> we had a guy open the window, stick his legs out, smoke a joint. On Main Street, wow! Oh my word! 
And so I had to let the windows down and I just put like she rock screws in the windows. Screws. Oh my gosh. It, which tells me this is why hotel rooms, yeah, don't they don't let you open the window yeah. on the 32nd floor. Yeah. <laughs> They're afraid hey, you'll smoke and you'll hang out and smoke a joint. I yeah. don't know. Afraid you fall out. That's what I'm always looking at is liability. And to me, the boat, there are so many people in the You're boat right. rental business mm. that right. I don't take that liability on. Certainly yeah. not with my own boat. And I, I do give them paddle boards and that seems to be something that sets sets the listing apart. They get paddle boards and kayaks and a right. hydro bike. But I don't give them my Hobie boards because those are nice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they might mess them up. Yeah, you give them the ones that are made for that. Yeah. Any yeah, replaceable you, type, yeah. It was much. weird when we first started Airbnb. We'll have Megan on one day. And, and so um, she had the Tucker Farm Cottage yeah. down on the other end of the county. And she's like, man, I think I can Airbnb that. Yeah, yeah. I'm living here at the lake told, house. So. I told, it's a great stay. A she stayed. just So she downloaded the app. Took pictures on her phone, put it on there, and she's drinking wine. And everything's grand. She's like, and the, "Oh shit, somebody the, just rented it." The next morning, there was like four bookings, yes. and she was still living. Like, had a lot. They got to move person. out. The next day, we have to go down there and grab all you know her what? stuff. That was, was just like, so she could move in with you. Uh, she, she, those bookings were fake. I need to ask. Her I got to move it. out. I need to ask. Is she here? Yeah, she's right there. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> hey, we'll get into that later. I thought. Oh my god! So me and Heather was talking about the podcast. You and I are gonna have a conversation. And I was like, we gotta get. I said we're gonna have the wives on one time. Oh she god! Was like, no, I'm not going on there. I'm like, why? We won't even talk about business. We'll just talk about what it's like to live with me and Jerry. Oh my god! <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be it. Oh, that'll be the shortest <laughs> podcast ever. Yeah. <laughs> or the longest. No doubt. This has been fun. I learned a, a lot about yeah. uh, the real estate market locally, for sure, on the lake. We covered a lot of ground. We just didn't get into mega politics. Lake, so no, Lake Q, <laughs> you did say something about politics, and I do want to say this because I just feel obligated to say this. You had made a comment earlier and said everybody from, like, the north and the west coast right. were tired of their cities and wanted to come here. I just want to say to those people, if you were tired of your cities and the way politics were run, don't get into local politics here. Yeah. Well, we're seeing the in, well, in the influx of areas like Horry County, for example. Mm -hmm. Tom Rice just really lost his primary seat, uh, Congressman Rice, mm -hmm. and Russell Fry was the the further right um, candidate there. And there's a new flux of people. There, those people voted him in. Yeah. And that was further right. So kind of that I, I guess, hear that a lot. Like, don't bring, don't California, my Carolina. Yeah, and Texas, like, in that's Texas, that's a big thing because everybody's moving so, to Austin. That's right, because yeah. of the jobs, whatever. And there's signs literally that say, "Don't, don't bring California to Texas." Mm -hmm. This is how I feel about it. Not even like what side you have to move into an area because the politics. Even if you don't change, they may not fit the same type of living. Right. Right. There's different things here than, say, in a big city or whatever. So you you may still be, if you move from a big city and you were more left, right, and you move to a more conservative place like where we're at, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to change what you typically believe in, but you're going to have to change at least to fit the area. You have to change your own, your, your old. Right. Mindset. They're not city life anymore. It's gonna, you know, so that's that right. part's gonna have to change a lot. That's right. Well, you know, even if you look at the parties, like if you look at our state house Democrats, they would be probably akin to like California Republicans. Right. Or Massachusetts no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I guess that's the point I was trying to make is yeah. like it's very different. It's, it's very different. We're and depending. that's the beauty of a United States is we have yeah. those individual mm -hmm. state houses with individual governing mm -hmm. and it's it's yeah. different state to state. I agree. We yeah. saw it happen here locally. It was train, just a train wreck. 
yeah. like on the last primary. It was a train wreck. So it I just was, wanted to get. It was interesting. I'm glad we're past the primary. Yeah, no doubt, no Say doubt. That. So anyway, I appreciate your time today, Rhea. This is uh, this is great. And we we said this before. Just because we have a guest on now does not mean that they won't be a repeat guest in the future. That's so, right. I have many topics. This is you uh, can have me back anytime. Yeah. Well, we don't have time limits on our podcast. I think our shortest one is about forty minutes, and our longest one is about an hour and a half. Yeah. Hour and we're, forty minutes. We're looking so. at about hour five minutes. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Perfect. That's good. That's perfect. Good so, time to cut it. That's right. That's great. Any last words? I'm good. Rhea. Where Follow can me pe- on all the socials. Where can they find you? I, I am easy to find. My name is spelled R-E-A-H. That's always the the catch point. But I'm Rhea on Kiwi everywhere. Facebook, so if you're looking Instagram. For, if you're looking for a house on Kiwi email, or Rhea a lake lot on Kiwi, get a hold of Rhea, R-E-A-H yeah. on Kiwi. Or some hard money or if you wholesale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, you're wholesaling, please keep it to yourself. If you're flipping contracts, <laughs> holler at me. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk to Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. So let's go. Let's just right. call it quits. Thanks, Rhea. Thanks, Kyle. We're out. Somebody come get me.